Hey, welcome back to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host, and I'm so glad you're back. But if this is your first time tuning in, basically what you need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are basically, if you're looking to save time, but also learn the fundamentals, this podcast is meant for you. So today we're going over something that I think is really important, but easy to forget about, where we're evaluating for a DVT, otherwise known as a deep vein thrombosis. So essentially, this is what happens when you have a blood clot or a thrombus that forms in one or even maybe more of the veins in the lower extremities. And these incidents can actually increase with age too. And why do we care about this? Well, for one, it doesn't really sound like a blood clot is a good idea to begin with, but we get concerned about this if a thrombus or a piece of a thrombus embolizes to the lungs can actually cause a life-threatening condition due to a pulmonary embolism. And in this case, your patient's probably going to complain of chest pain or difficulty of breathing. Also, not so great. So if we can catch these, all the better, right? We could save somebody's life. So you really should know this regardless of what type of physical therapy you work in, especially if you're seeing people who are high risk for it, which we will cover in a sec. But essentially, when this happens, you might have a patient who has swelling of the extremity, inflammation or discoloration of the extremity tenderness or cramping of the calf muscle, especially if you bring it into dorsiflexion, as in the foot. But it is also important to keep in mind that that patient may have no signs or symptoms. Kind of scary. So how we can assess it in physical therapy is using the Wales Clinical Prediction Rule. So keep in mind that there's one for DVTs, but there's also one for pulmonary embolism, so PEs. And how it works is you basically add up points for different symptoms, events, et cetera, and you see how this falls into a risk stratification for your patient on how likely they are to have a DVT. So I like to think about it in two categories, but it's not split into this. So it's basically like a chart that you can just Google. It's about some things that a patient might have a history of, and then also what the patient looks like. So things that a patient might have a history of are active cancer, and that could be ongoing treatment within the previous six months or palliative. They might have an instance of paralysis or paresis or recent immobilization of the lower extremity. They could be recently bedridden for greater than three days or have had a major surgery within four weeks. And also, if they have a previously documented DVT, higher likeliness that they might have one this time. So if they have any of those, then each one is a point. Now, in terms of what the patient looks like, they get a point for if they have localized tenderness along the deep venous system distribution, in which case you're going to push firmly on the posterior calf, the popliteal space, and along the femoral vein in the anterior thigh and groin. They might also have their entire lower extremity swollen. They might have calf swelling. And so what you're going to do is measure 10 centimeters below the tibial tuberosity, and they'll get a point for if the calf swelling is greater than three centimeters compared to the asymptomatic lower extremity. They might also have pitting edema greater than the symptomatic lower extremity and collateral superficial veins that are non-varicose. Now, the only one that is negative points is if there's an alternative diagnosis at least as likely as a deep venous thrombosis, in which case you're going to subtract two points. So for the classifications, if a patient has zero points, they have low risk. If they have one to two points, they're going to be in moderate risk. And if they have three or more, then they're at pretty high risk and you should probably go on to the next step. Now, if patients are higher risk or or have just gone under surgery, they'll probably be on anticoagulants or compression stockings are going to be utilized. 
But if we're suspecting it, we'll often go ahead and grab them a D-dimer test and then potentially an ultrasound or a venography. So the first step is probably going to be a D-dimer test. And that's because you can assess for this just with a basic blood test, a lot less of a big deal for cost. But a D-dimer is basically a plasma-mediated proteolytic derivative specific for cross-linked fibrin that essentially, all you need to know is it it tells you that the, the clotting process has begun. The thing about this is that you can find it in patients' blood levels with, like if they have a malignancy or infection, pregnancy, trauma, or surgery, So we use this test more so for like, if there's no D-dimers present, then there's a good likeliness that that patient doesn't have a blood clot. Now, let's say they do have this. Okay, what's the next step? So they're probably going to get an ultrasound. And with an ultrasound, they're going to assess for two things. If they have vein compressibility or if they have abnormalities in blood flow. So for compressibility, you're basically pushing on the vein and you're trying to assess if that vein can be compressed or not. If it can't be collapsed, there's probably a DVT in there keeping the vein from doing so. Now, you're also utilizing the Doppler effect, which is when flowing blood changes the sound waves. So if there's an absence of blood flow, this helps to confirm the diagnosis of a DVT. But for this test, it's a lot more effective above the knee than below the knee. And so if a patient's symptoms are severe, but our tests are negative, they may go on to get a contrast venography, which in our research is still the gold standard against non-invasive studies for DVTs, but it's not performed often because what they have to do is they insert a contrast dye, which is usually iodine, which helps the vessels to show up on an x-ray. So you can see, hey, do they have a blood clot or not? But it is invasive and does not feel good. Nowadays, they're utilizing a magnetic resonance venography Um, so that they don't have to put a patient through this, but they can visualize their vessels. It's just that it's more involved and more costly, and you don't really want to run the patient through the whole gamut, but you do want to assess for, hey, do they have a a DVT or not? So in summary, we have what a patient looks like or may have a history of with a, a possible DVT, how we can utilize it in the clinic without any special tests, and then how they might go from like a D-dimer test to ultrasound to a contrast venography or MRI. So utilize this in your practice. It is especially useful. The more that this is in the, the forefront of your brain, the more you're going to be aware to look for this instead of like for me, I know if I'm not thinking of something or I haven't thought about it in a while, I'm less likely to even have it on my radar. This could save somebody's life. Okay. And so there you have it for this episode. Please subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. But also, if you have any questions, reach out. You can find me at PT Snacks Podcast on Instagram or ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com if you want to just directly email me or just check out the website, ptsnackspodcast.com. And I would love to get in touch with you. And like, if you have any suggestions for future episodes... I am all ears because this podcast is meant to be helpful, but I'm also trying to keep it concise. So let me know if you need anything, utilize this in your practice. And if you're a visual person, definitely Google this. I'm going to be posting up more infographics on my Instagram if you just want to get a little study tool time in while you're on your social media. So that's it for now. Until next time, y'all take care and have a great one.